This episode of the Short Side Option Podcast is brought to you by the Email Boys, your favorite friend collective's favorite friend collective. Sporting purple since the birth room, season ticket holders since three lockets ago, and passing high school geometry by studying Tex Winter's triangle offense. The Email Boys thrive in the clutch and in most social settings, driven to rep the cats and educate the community on what it means to bleed purple, to be excellent, and how to rip jays like Michael Beasley. When the purple gets ready to roll, the email boys are ready to deliver. Nice to have you with us on another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork, alongside me, my main man Dilu. Here we break down the defense, uh, give our projections uh, for what uh, the Big 12 might look like this year, as well as game-by-game uh, game predictions for K-State. Uh, Dilu, great to have you back here. Uh, great to be on with you today. And, you know, it, we come uh, looking at our, our, at our podcast audience here uh, with a little bit different landscape uh, than what we had, had been looking at previously uh, from the Big 12 perspective as far as that is concerned with uh, – the recent news there, you, you, you seem to be scratching your head and giving me kind of a confused look. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, am I the first one to tell you the news? What's that? Oklahoma and Texas are, are going to leave the Big 12 Conference to join the Southeastern Conference. No, they're not. No, they are. Really? Well, not this year. But, like, maybe in, like, 2025, but maybe also earlier, too. That sounds horrible. Yeah, it is. But that's really not what I want to talk to you about. I don't want to, I just wanted to just give you that bit of news. I don't want to really necessarily go into um, all the ins and the outs of, of where what conference realignment um, means for K-State. That's for a different time, different place. How's that sound? Okay, yeah. yeah. You, you all right with that? Yeah. It's, okay. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm still processing this news. Yeah, I, I hate to be the bearer of possibly very bad news for you, but, uh, you know, that's a cross I have to bear, so that's fine. But let's kind of just talk about that real quick. I don't want to talk too much about what this means for K-State and what it means for you know the other members of the conference here as we go forward. But uh, when we look at it here from the perspective of Oklahoma and Texas leaving, the biggest, my biggest takeaway is how it was definitely a shock uh, to Big 12 athletic directors and Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner. I just don't understand how they could not have any idea that this was coming. I mean, like there there have been certain rumblings about this for for a couple months leading up to uh, to the you know the late July, early August timeline of where it was announced. I just don't quite understand how this was completely out of left field for him. I think it's something that you know some folks had at least heard rumblings of, but for them to be so caught off guard, I thought was a little odd. Well, yeah, I mean. You know, you heard a couple months ago with the Fox one, not wanting to early negotiate and, and do all that. And so it seems like the writing was sort of on the wall that that was the first, uh, the first sign of trouble, I guess. But, I mean, on the other hand, it's like, let's say he... Let's say he did know. What's he going to do? Yeah, exactly. That's the other thing, too, is if, if OU and Texas want to leave, and really if any other school wants to leave, for that matter, I mean... If you got the if you got the purse to do it, then then, then you can do it. Really any it. To me, it's it's a very sad turn of events. What I'm really looking forward to 
uh, for the next, you know, whether it could be one year, it could be four years, uh, where uh, Texas and Big 12 uh, find themselves still in the Big 12 is the treatment that they get, uh, you know, into in, opposing stadiums. And more, like, I, I don't know, maybe this is just me. I, I would love to see the, that uh, OU and Texas just get absolutely screwed by the officials. I mean, just, like, egregiously screwed by the officials week in, week out. I yeah, think be that, would, that would be really awesome. Like, uh-oh, sorry, taunting. Like, Ta- like, just arbitrary blocks in the back. Just get, like, they get, I don't know, 15 blocks in the back throughout the season on, on, on nice punt return. Oh, any punt return over five yards. That's coming back, folks. Yeah, officials just swallowing their whistles for... Blatant targeting, egregious they, holds. They just get the Palomale treatment. Yeah, you know it would be. It, it's kind of like how oh, I can't remember. It's um, one of one movie. Oh well, it, it's it's um, it, it's uh. Remember the Titans when the referee's on the hook. You know, yeah. he because he, yeah. he, he's one coach knows to lose, and he's not calling a fair game. I want to see that all twelve games of the season. Yeah, just <laughs> lining up offsides. <laughs> yeah, just roughing the passers, going on. I, I want, I want it to just be really nasty for five, for five years. Well, and you know, there's a decent chance that that it could go on for that four or five years to twenty twenty five because there's a a huge withdrawal fee that uh, that uh, Texas and OU would have to pay. Now, there's all sorts of other you know legalese that I. I'm not really qualified to speak. Yeah, on. that's way over our heads. Yeah, that's way over our heads. You know, I I'm I'm no big city lawyer. However, it's a big price tag, and I think that it would be probably in the best interest of the remaining members of the Big Twelve to you know take that for all it's worth and you know cash out as much as they can off that deal. Yeah, why not? Well, if the payday is going down here in a few years anyway, it's like yeah, I guess milk all you can. Yeah, get it while the getting is good. Yep, absolutely. So certainly uh, some you know monumental changes on the college football landscape landscape down the down the way. That's a problem for future Drew and future icons. That's the that's the problem that we're not we're not focused on because you know what we're really focused on. You know the problem we're really focused on <laughs> this defense. Yeah, this defense, especially the linebackers. For yeah, me, for yeah, me, my man. Uh, well, let's hop into it. What do you say, huh? Sure. All right. Well, so we were both pretty high. Or yeah, at least I was really. Yeah, let, let, let's let's recap here a little bit. Let's talk about the offense just momentarily. I, we think that we're. You know, let's not talk about the defense tonight. Let's talk <laughs> more about the offense. Let's talk more about the offense. That yeah. sounds way better. Sounds like way more fun. We're we're both high on the offense. Like we think that the biggest question mark is wide receiver. I don't yeah. think there's any question about that. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things too. Um, which I don't know. We, we talked about it a little Although, bit. Although, update, though. You've yeah. been getting a little buzz at wide yeah, receiver. I'm glad you – go ahead. R.J. Garcia. R.J. Garcia. That wasn't who I thought you were going to go with. Who? I thought you were going to go with the uh, the Hutch transfer. Howell? Howell. No, people don't like him. People hate him. <laughs> people don't like him anymore. <laughs> uh, I forget who it was. Uh, the market for him is cooled. Well, I think it was like uh, somebody from KSR. Somebody tweet, or tweeted out a video of – him running kind of a lazy route. Well, no, but I also saw Joe Hall tweet about this. He, the MS Paint God, yeah, Joe Hall tweeting out uh, him running a, a nice kind of a kind of a rounded off route. It wasn't a real crisp route. Didn't come back to the ball real well, but showed nice hands, really catching it there. So my stock on Howell is. I, I think Howell could be good, but 
I'm telling you, R.J. Garcia, he's the future. Okay, I like. Well, it, it, it that is nice. I did see some of those comments. Uh, I believe Skylar Thompson uh, had some rave reviews for him. But anyway, we're both high on the offense. We, we think love the, off- the offense. We think the offense has potential to be anywhere from good, which we feel like it is, is good right now. At least I do. To being very good. I think the offense is a Big 12 championship caliber offense. See, I'm not quite there yet. I, I'm I, not quite I, there I, yet. I'm, I'm saying the defense would need to be, like, that good also. Well, no, I, I, I don't think the offense is quite Big 12 caliber. I think or it, Big 12 championship I think caliber. it's top three or four in the conference. I, yeah, I think it's good, but I don't think it's I think it's good. good enough if the defense did its part to okay. win the Big 12. Well, you know, that's, that's why we're talking about the defense now. So, this is um, this is definitely the question mark, and I think the question mark, as I mentioned, is that linebackers the biggest one. There's question marks kind of all around here on the defense. Let's start on the defensive line. Um, this is a unit that um, you know loses the the standout there, Wyatt Hubert, having gone to the NFL, uh, exhausting his college eligibility a year early uh, to get taken in the. Seventh round by the Cincinnati Bengals. And, uh, you know, with, with him being gone, there are some guys that can step in. Uh, you know, the guys like Bronson Massey, who's been here for a little bit, obviously. Uh, you know, Khalid Duke had, had some flashes. When I say flashes, I mean about like two quarters in that OU game. Well, what a two quarters. But what a two quarters. Uh, but... You know, there are a couple some a couple of guys at the defensive end positions that I, I feel you know somewhat comfortable about uh, kind of stepping in. Uh, Felix uh, Anuduke, maybe. Yeah. I, I he think t- he'd I, turn around if, if he heard that word. Yeah, he, he, might, he might. It might be him. You know, he might say, "Yeah, that's me." That's I me. think he's trying to. He, he has gotten some good reviews as well. Um, the other guy that I think is probably. Maybe the most impactful uh, of the maybe the new faces showing up, mainly which have on are on the defensive side of the football is uh, tr- Timmy Horn, grad transfer at the University of Charlotte. He comes uh, to K State uh, with some serious experience uh, playing uh, and with some serious beef. Yeah, he's a big dog. He's, uh, measuring in at six five three twenty one. Yeah, so that's a guy that looks the part. No question. And he's he, going to take up. Space. He can fill out that jersey. He's got a lot of beef. Got to have some beef up front. And K-State's got it, baby. And, you know, quite frankly, is Eli Huggins, Jalen Pickle, they played, you know, some as well. Robert Hintz as well. So I feel okay at defensive tackle. But I feel like with uh, Timmy Horn, you get a little bit of potential for that game-changing uh, type of defensive tackle. Yeah, it's nice to have somebody in the middle who can take up that much space and just really just occupy blockers uh, in the middle. And especially which we'll get into here in a second, when you're not totally confident in uh, that next layer in the linebacker unit. But across the defensive line, you know, that that second defensive tackle spot uh, has me a little worried. Uh, There's some guys who have, as you mentioned, played there last year, but nobody that really jumps off the page. I mean, Pickle, Hens, Huggins. I, I really hope one of those guys takes a big step forward and uh, can hold his own at the other spot there. And on as far as the defensive ends go, I think Boom is a fairly steady hand. Yeah, uh, and I thought he played his best football for K-State last year as well. Yeah, not a guy that you expect to be 
you know, flirting with double digit sacks or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I don't expect him to be honorable mention Big Twelve this year, but just a, a nice average defensive end, I guess. Um, and then with Khalid Duke, you mentioned he he had that really nice quarter and a half against OU where he just really took over the game. Um, but kind of did a disappearing act the rest of the year, and we just didn't really see much of him. But he's a guy that's got the tools, um, put on a little weight in the offseason. What's he measuring in at now? Um, 244, so still a little light. But uh, a guy that has some playing time and, and has showed flashes. So hopefully he can get in there and create some chaos. And, uh, yeah, and then NUDK. NUDK. N-U-D-K. N-U-D-K. I've got the pronunciation right in front of me. There we go. So, And I, I believe he got a little run last year, too. Yeah, I, he did. I, at least in the KU game, yeah, I remember he, seeing he got Yeah, he got a sack against KU. Um, you know, this is a guy that was a late ad for K-State uh, in that initial 2019 first full recruiting class for Chris Kleiman. And, you know, with him coming into the fold, he I mean, he has some measurables that you like to see. 6'3", 250. Um, a guy that has had some positive buzz around him here as fall camp uh, continues to roll on. But when I look at what this defensive, uh, the defensive end group um, kind of has, I, I'm a little worried about like, you know, what you saw from Wyatt Hubert last year was he was the leading, He's the leading person on, on the on the scout report. You know, this is the guy that watch out for him. watch out for fifty six. You know, and we kind of saw a little bit of that with back in twenty sixteen with Jordan Willis, where everyone knew about Jordan Willis and um, Reggie Walker had a, had a really nice season opposite of him. Yeah. Uh, so you know, without having that. That major target, that guy that's first Just occupies on, attention. Yeah, that occupies attention. The first guy on the scouting report. Will this defensive line be able to continue to contribute without maybe you know having their attention focused you know on on fifty six because he's no longer here. Yeah, well, and that's a that's a problem. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, that's just the college game. I yeah, mean, sure. And so you 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 look for guys like maybe Duke, uh, maybe Andrew uh, to step up and start developing into that next great playmaker along K-State's defensive line. And and you really hope one of them does that this year because otherwise, with Boom, like I said, steady hand, but not going to strike fear into opposing offensive coordinators. And so this is really an opportunity for some of those guys that were uh, got some playing time but didn't weren't starters last year like Duke and NUDK and maybe even a guy like Matlick. Yeah, uh, sure. Steps up and, yeah. and shows something, uh, but defensive line, I think it's, I think it's fine. Uh, I don't think it's the weakest spot on the defense, but I certainly don't think it's anything coming into the season that's going to have uh, offenses worried. I think that's a fair uh, summary of, of kind of what I see up and down the defensive line as well. Uh, let's transition to the uh, linebackers. Yeah, I, I think this is by far the biggest question mark uh, on the entire team, really going in to, uh, into the 2021 season. I think place kicker might. Hey, I, I raised my concerns, and quite frankly, I still have those concerns. <laughs> but, you know, the kicker's only out there for, you know, call it what, 
30, 40 snaps, 50 snaps a year. Yeah. Hopefully more. I mean, hopefully we're kicking lots of extra points. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, those, this linebacker position's got me a little worried, D'Lo. Yeah, yeah, it's a problem, and it was going to... It was, it was always going to be a problem. It was like foreseeable. From, from, from the moment that uh, Elijah Sullivan was no longer at K-State, this became a, a glaring issue. Yeah, and it, it didn't help matters that the JUCO uh, season was off. No. Um, because no. this would be a great year to have picked up a couple of... Uh, Two or three, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean... I mean so let, let's get down into it. Last year we had Justin Hughes. We had uh, Eli Sullivan is the Daniel starters. Green, Daniel Green. Well, got lots of time. Cody yeah. Fletcher. They're, they're both back. But, uh, but but Hughes and Sullivan, I feel like, got probably most of the snaps last year, but not by a huge majority. Sullivan, yes. Um, yeah. Well, let's call it what it is. Sullivan was the only guy at linebacker last year who looked like he knew. That could make plays. Yeah, that could, yeah. could make plays. Let's call and, it like it is. And so, and, and, and that's also that's not to be hard on Justin Hughes. He he had came back from significant leg injury and significant yeah. surgery. He he just really wasn't quite physically up to to where he needed to be to play power five football. I think he'd probably even tell you the same. I'm not calling him. A, I'm not calling Justin Hughes a loser. No, no, not at all. I'm just saying he wasn't very good last. Year. Yeah, he wasn't. I'm sure. He, and I think he, he, and I think he'd probably be yeah. A, whether that's his fault or somebody else's, either way, he's gone. And so we have. Uh, What's left, I guess, the presumptive starters are Daniel Green and Cody Fletcher. And, man, that Daniel Green last year was far from a steady hand, I feel like. There were times last year where he looked a little lost, especially in coverage at times, and uh, just wasn't a, what you would call dependable. And... Then you have Cody Fletcher, who, I, I mean, if you watch that Baylor game last year, that second half of the Baylor yeah, game, yeah, crossing, he just can't, he just can't keep up, can't cover in space. No, it, he's he just feels like a throwback linebacker that, you know, you, you would have expected to see maybe excel really well, like maybe in the '90s or early 2000s, where it was just kind of a different form of linebacker. You weren't having these spread offenses where these linebackers were asked to cover a lot in space. And so, all that to say, I think we're in trouble at linebacker. Yeah, um, you know, I we, too. we tried to patch it up, adding Eric Munoz from Utah State, who was a spot starter at best during his time there. Uh, we've apparently moved Wayne Jones down into that spot too to just add some depth. But man, I I just can't see how linebacker isn't the most obvious weakness and the most glaring need to add real talent in the transfer portal and I don't think we I don't think we met the need. No, we did it. We absolutely did it. It was a it was a really quite frankly a bad job um, by climate and staff not making that priority number one. Now what they did do is they moved all of their chips in the transfer portal, so to speak. I should say all of them because I think Timmy Horn is gonna be a good player for us at defensive tackle position, but they pretty much put all of their chips at least on the defensive side. On, on the defensive side of the ball pretty much all the chips in the defensive backfield. And we'll get to them here in a little bit. But Munoz at uh, at linebacker, it, 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 I mean, that's not going to work. I mean, that's not gonna, he, that is not a starting quality linebacker in the Big 12. No, it, it's a guy that you maybe you feel good about being 
maybe on the second or third string, but we needed starters. Yeah, we needed we needed impact guys that could come in and start day one. Yeah. Or at least set play fifty percent of the snaps week one. Yeah. And we and we did not do that. No, and so you know if if our linebackers look like it sounds like you and I expect them to look like this year, then I don't know how you can call it anything other than just. A total failure. Yeah, gross negligence. Not to bring in power five starting quality linebackers. And, and maybe you know, and, maybe we eat our words on this. Maybe yeah, I don't think we do. I don't. I don't think we do. But one thing I will say is you should say, well, you know, how many? Gosh, how many starting quality linebackers are there out there? Well, you know, I don't. Quite frankly, I don't have the answer for that. But what I can tell you is, if it's, if what we did in the secondary for what we attracted talent wise is anywhere close to representative of what the kind of talent was out there at the linebacker position, we should have been able to stumble into at least one or two of those yeah. guys. I mean, I mean, I don't think that's an unreasonable ask. Well, we went out and found a starters, two starters in the secondary, a starter on the defensive line. Uh, and so it's like we just need to find somebody better than either Fletcher or Green. And yeah. I, I can't imagine it was – that that's that that tall of a task. No, I don't think it is. And so, I mean, we found uh, somebody better than Justin Gardner, who I think was pretty darn good last year. Yeah, and I think so too. I'm so, glad you said that. And so, I, how we just went to the portal, added Munoz in December, you know, with months left to find somebody, and then called it good there is my work here is done. That that is really the, I think that is the biggest oversight of. Climate's tenure so far in terms of roster additions. Well, and then also too, you think about what he did his first year here, just completely filling the running back room with bodies. Dime a dozen. That's easier. Yeah, I mean, but to just get two or three linebackers, yeah. I don't think is asking no for the high heavens. I mean, I think that one, getting one really good is, one is nice. going to be good enough to. to I mean. Yeah, I don't get it. But I think linebacker is by far the biggest weakness on the team, on either the offensive or defensive side of the ball. And uh, it's going to put a lot of pressure on guys like Timmy Horn to clog up that middle because uh, I just don't I don't see how our linebackers are going to be good enough to fly around. And, and may, you know what, though? Maybe Daniel Green takes the big step this year. He's a guy that is an athletic freak. And everyone had high hopes on him. Kind of a ballyhooed recruit. And so uh, maybe this is the time for him to take that step because he's going to need to. But even if he does, I at this point Fletcher's career, I don't see him all of a sudden turning into a guy playing with his hair on fire uh, and going out there and wreaking havoc um, and covering guys. It's... I just think a, the linebacker spot is an easy position to pick on for opposing offenses, and uh, I would feel a lot better about the defense and the season if we had uh, just one just one more linebacker who was uh, Big 12 caliber. You know, with uh, with Sullivan and Hughes uh, no longer in uh, you know in in the uh, in the near for K State. Uh, in the two games that they had missed at the end of last year against Baylor and Texas, total points given up in those two games. You, you want to venture a guess? Well, it's got to be close to 100. 101 points. Yeah. 
Because Texas put up like 69 or 70 on 69, it. 69, and then uh, I believe Baylor was at 32. Yeah. So, with that being said... Hey, they did a good job in the first half against Baylor. They did. They did. That second half, though, they had no answer for Baylor's uh, quick game over the middle with crossing routes because that's where they ate us up completely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. We, we we don't like linebackers. Let's just, let's just call it like it is. Let's I think be fair. Yeah. We're, we're not. We're, our daubers are down on the we are We are down linebackers. Now, let's go to, the, what, to what I feel, and I think you feel as well, is the strength of this defense. And that's the defensive backfield. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I think this is one of the better defensive backfields I've seen at K-State in a while. Um, I would probably say since, golly, I would almost think with like 2014, we had uh, Danzel McDaniel, um, had him roaming around there at cornerback. But, man, I would almost think back to like 2012. Honestly, I think this this defense defensive backfield has that type of talent. I yeah. really do. There's I don't see a spot in the defensive backfield that I think is weak. No, I don't either. And and there's some spots that I think is like the two deep is really good. You know, maybe like the actually I'll go back. I'll say like that 2017 2016 secondary was pretty darn good with uh, with DJ Reed and Duke Shelley. I might not be quite there with the quarterbacks yet, just but I think that this defense has the talent to compete with that. I don't think there's any question. Yeah, about that. I mean, I think. Well, let's just start. Let's just start talking about the corners. Okay, let's hit the corners. Let's hit it. Baby. That's a that's a pretty stacked room. Yeah, uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, Echo, who Echo Boydo, who I, who got thrown into pretty much action. I believe his first start was maybe against. OU. It was either OU or Arkansas State. It was, I mean, he either he just showed up onto the scene, and, and you had not really heard much out of him. I know he was a, a Lawrence Free State guy coming out of high school, um, but just never had really had a chance to to make his to make any plays out there. And really, he came in and he was tremendous all season last year. Yeah. Well, so you have Echo, you have Brents, the transfer from Iowa. Well, and who everyone thinks is apparently, you know, the next big thing for K-State at the quarterback position that he's drawn. When he came from Iowa, kind of a lot of the talk was, this guy is a, is a pro. Yeah. And, you know, he, he, I mean, he looks the part. I mean, gosh, 6'3", 207. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a big kind of that big boundary corner that you – That you want to have. That you want to have. Yeah, it, absolutely. Just a nasty in coverage. And then – and then you go to the 2D, you got Justin Gardner, who you and I love. Oh, yeah. I remember watching him play last year against uh, against Oklahoma. He had that big interception. And I was like, man, that is was terrific coverage. And then yeah, to go over up and on high the near sideline. Yeah. And then to go up and high point the ball, uh, that it was probably, at least when it came to mind for me, I was like, that is one of the more impressive plays I've seen out of the K State defensive back. And, in a number of years. I said the exact same thing after that play. I said that is, like, one of the best pieces of coverage I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, because it wasn't just like, oh, he made, a, like, an incredibly athletic play on the ball, and he, he just, like, one-handed. Like, he was on he, him. he was beat. But now, he was, like, he was running step for step. Now, the ball was a little underthrown by Rattler. But that still. Happens. Yeah, that happened. And so he's the pro- projected backup. And then you have, uh, people are saying T. Denson, 
is uh, on the 2D now at K-State, and that's another Valley Cougar crew. Yep. And yep. so you, f- you feel really good about the corners. I think we have three legitimately really good – I think we have three cornerbacks that could crack, you know, legitimately has a chance of cracking second-team All-Big 12. Oh, I, I think that I, – I think all those three guys are good enough, depending on how the season goes, to – yeah, because, I mean, with the all-Big 12 selections, I mean, so much of that is predicated on how your team does. Right. But, but no, I, in terms of talent-wise, I, I have no issue none with that. None of those, yeah. And I have then, no issue with that. And then T. Denson, uh, that's just – the cornerbacks look like a great room right now. And so Brent's transfers from Iowa. And then we have another transfer. Now, well, first of all, are, are, are you done with the cornerbacks, or did you want to continue on with them? No, I, no, I think – You're, you're uh, good with them. I'm really excited about it. Okay. I am, too. I love it. And so, man, if those guys can just take care of the outside and just pray to God that uh, our linebackers and, and the nickel, who we'll talk about here in a, in a moment, yeah. um, can lock, can, or at least just be competent in the middle, then eh, maybe not. Maybe that can alleviate some of the pressure on linebackers. But I'm looking for silver linings here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we all are. Um, let's go now to the safety position. Free safety and strong. Uh, free safety, right now, I think the the odds-on uh, favorite to be kind of the opening day starter there is a Rush Yeast a transfer. Also a pretty ballyhooed recruit out of high school. Uh, went to Louisville, transfers now to K-State. Um, you know, I think when you, you see what he brings to, to the table – what I've read, an instinctive player, somebody who's going to be in the right position, and as a free safety, that's of paramount importance. You know, not to keep to keep a lid on the defense, not anyone getting over the top and, and keeping things in front of you. I think just pr- providing some st- stability to that back line of that defense, where where K State had some trouble at last year, uh, I think will go a long way, and uh, I think that he's going to be a much needed you know contributor. And a great addition to this defense. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say that the safety position, uh, adding yeast, is improved over last year, where it was at times a little bit of a committee between Elder, uh, even Hennington got some uh, PT, and and so with Russ Yeast, that's a guy you just look at and you think, okay, well, that's an improvement. Um, and uh, so yeah, I, I to be perfectly frank with you uh no, just be drew I'll, I'll okay i'll just be drew i don't i don't know all that much about russ yeast I, I feel like brents has gotten a lot of the press uh, in terms of the secondary additions uh but started 29 games over four years at louisville pretty that's pretty good track record there yeah and so that's a guy that if nothing else you hope can be reliable and, and keep a lid on uh things over the top you know, and then you've got guys like T.J. Smith who maybe find some time a little bit at Nickelback, maybe finds it at strong safety, maybe at free safety. I feel like he's just going to be a little bit of a utility guy between yeah. the, the safety positions and nickel. And and he really had – He came on to the – He burst, he, he onto, burst the onto the seat against Texas Tech. I, yeah. You know, I, I saw – He uh, was just absolutely headhunting that game. Yeah, I, you know, the, the guy uh, – K-State fan, too, on, on Twitter. Yeah. The guy does a great job with the job. videos. He made a nice little, like, kind of cut up of about, you know, pretty much every big-time contributor that we have coming back for on the defensive side. I saw it on, on Twitter, you know, the other day. And 
saw it on YouTube as well. Gosh, he was just flying around looking to put people in the ER that day, baby. And unfortunately, he maybe opened it a little bit because he got yeah, out. What happened to him? <laughs> Believe it or not, he, he was the one that got, uh, maybe it was a little bit worse for the wear there uh, coming out of that game and, and then on into later games. But that's a guy that plays with that kind of reckless abandon that you want to have as part of your defense and you want to have on your side, not on the other side. Because... It doesn't take long to, to, to figure it out. Because, man, I, I remember we were watching that game uh, at Tanner's uh, together, and we saw this guy just absolutely flying around with his hair on fire. And I'm like, man, who is this guy? And then, you know, because we hadn't seen him play really, you know, yeah. up until that point. He gets out there, and, oh, that's T.J. Smith. Okay, yeah, I remember him. You know, guy coming out of Georgia. This guy was, was making a name for himself early yeah. on. Yeah. And, you know, you look forward to seeing that glimpse you hope to see that continuing on because with what with what it is, it's almost kind of like a Jared Cooper like throwback <laughs> yeah, game back there. Yeah, in terms that's of, a great comparison. It, it, icon. It, it, you know, it, it maybe not a maybe not the best comparison. You know, in terms of the kind of player he is, but, but just for, a for wild State, man. Yeah, yeah but just, just an a, absolute guy that's out there. Just headhunt. Absolutely, head on a swivel, see. just looking to and lay some because pain. those hits. I mean, the, you know. The, the other team is seeing what's going on out there. They're, they have, you know, they're going to take a little bit of a, have a, maybe something in the little bit of the back of their mind. Maybe some alligator on. Yeah, next honestly. time going over the middle or, you know, if, you know, get into that, get into the sticks and you know that, that uh, TJ Smith's coming for you, you know, you better buckle, make sure that chin strap's buckle, partner. Yeah, yeah. And so for a, for a guy that's, on some of the depth charts I've seen, he's not even, He's not projected to start anywhere, but if if somebody goes down and somebody oh he'll go down he'll play yeah I mean yeah there's no question whether it's with injury I think he's too good I think he's too talented to not find his way into a rotation someplace yeah I agree and so that's that's a young guy that I think you and I are both really excited about who uh, who's got a we think has a pretty bright future here at K State Jerome McPherson played a lot of football for K State uh, team captain this year. Was really, I mean, he won what in the game against OU was national defensive player of the week. Yeah, um, a guy that has did he recovered that? I know he had one interception, didn't he? Did he recover? Well, he a, had that big fumble that he that he caused. Right, uh, that was the real big play. I don't think he had the, an interception that game, if, if memory serves me correctly. Okay, but a guy that K State has coming back in the secondary, experienced. Has played a lot of football in the Big Twelve. Got kind of worn last yeah, year, and, and you worry about that, you know, with with having played that much football, how much treads left on that tire. Um, but when it, when it, you look at what he's done during his career at K State, you feel pretty comfortable with having him back there. Uh, in terms of what our starting defensive backfield looks like, man, it's it's hard to really. Poke too many holes in what you see. Well, we need to talk about nickel too. Got to have the nickel back. Yeah, I mean, but, God forbid. But but one point that we on don't address the nickel back. Yeah, we'll talk. About uh, that. That's a that's a whole nother well tangent that I can go. Sticking with on. the safeties here, I think you bring up a good point about McPherson, a guy who had looked really good. Maybe you know one of the best players on our defense in the early part of last year, uh, but. Is the season went on, got a little banged up, but adding guys like Yeast and 
just adding some more depth to the secondary, you think, okay, well, maybe we'll, he won't be pressed to get as many snaps this year if, if we can handle it, if he does get banged up. And, and the defense won't go to hell in a handbasket without him because even, you know, Elder wasn't the best last year. No. But I think people were a little I, too hard on Yeah, him. I remember coming on the podcast, I can't remember, I think it was after the OU game. And I said, you know, yeah, he got had a little bit of a rough start, but I thought he played pretty well in that game for the most part. Now, granted, like I'm not gonna sit here and wax poetic about how he's, you know, Ronnie Lott necessarily, but yeah, he's not the second coming of Ty Law. Yeah, back there, but you know what? I I thought that he served fine. I don't think he's I don't think he's the guy he you want like out there. Like a for backup, that. yeah, a backup safety. a backup safety. Yeah, and so having him in that role where it's like in case of emergency break the Ross Elder glass. Like, I think that's fine. And, you know, I I think part of what it is is that people kind of conflated him and Hennington a little bit. And I think Elder is a, was much better. Uh, oh, I do too. I don't think there's any question. And I, I think that, you know, yeah. So, so even a guy like him back there, really just being in the role of the third option or the third, if one of our safeties goes down, I mean, I think two of our safeties would need to go down in order for Elder to see the field this year, and that's not a horrible spot. Well, I mean, in the situation at K-State, and this is just the way it is. It's been the way forever. Yeah. It is, we're not blessed with a ton of quality depth. Right. And that's just the way it is. The, the key, and, but the, you know what? K-State's not the only team that has that, that suffers from that. Right. That thing. Yeah. That's about 90% of college football teams. And so... Not credit, 90% Power 5 teams, even. Credit to Kleiman, though, for addressing the the real kind of depth issue at safety by going out and grabbing yeast and yeah. saying, okay, this is... We are instantly improving our safety situation by grabbing him. Yeah. And I think that really... Uh, you can contrast that with the linebacker situation and say... This is what he did to address the secondary. This is what he didn't do to address yeah, the, the and, weakness. Yeah, and you know what? It, honestly, if you put a gun to my head and you say, Chris, you have to make the selection between these two scenarios. You have Fletcher and Green as your starting linebackers, or you have Elder and McPherson as your starting safeties, and you get one impact starting position player at one of those two positions, either safety or linebacker, which would you take? I'm taking linebacker. I might take safety. Yeah. I might take safety. I don't think there's a wrong answer there. But if that's what it had to come down to, I could maybe see that. But I don't think that it, it did because I don't think that's a, a the realistic argument that it had to be one or the other. It could have been both. Right. But bygones are bygones at this point. That's in the past. Yeah. So let's, let's talk. Let's talk nickel very briefly. We have to talk nickel. We have to talk about the nickelback people. And I, go go on and, and say why the nickel situation. It, it, well, it kinda okay. So K State goes out and adds Reggie Reggie Stubblefield late, late, late into um, into into the the, the calendar. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're like, I mean, he became. Kind of officially into the mix about mid July, yeah, maybe, July? A month, maybe a month ago, yeah, if that, yeah. So, right before fall camp, essentially, and you know they had 
that was that, and I don't want to, you know, get on this kid's, you know, case too hard and the whole recruitment thing. That's for a different time and place. Uh, I just, I'm just excited to see how many pump walks. Yeah, I, me, you and me both. You and me both. But you know, there was just so much talk. Like you know, K State was was in the market for adding another contributor on the defensive side of the ball. Well, great. Hopefully, it's a linebacker. Well, no, it can't be linebacker. It, it, we have to find someone to to provide depth at nickel. Have to find someone to play the nickel. I mean. You're talking about the nickelback position. We need position. a backup nickel icon. You, you, you're talking about the nickelback position like it is essentially the quarterback position of, of, of the defense. Well, we're not even talking about a starting nickel. No, no, but we just have to have depth at nickel. Yeah. Because if apparently if your backup nickelback is, is not sufficient, you are toast all season. You're done. <laughs> yeah. You have no chance. Yeah, because who can we find on this defense to play nickel? Surely we don't have... Who a is backup the safety who headhunts? The 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 uh, I'm gonna liken this to another great. Um, this is a little inside baseball. This actually it's a lot of inside baseball. But I almost kind of equate who is gonna be the backup nickel and who's gonna play nickelback to who is gonna guard Mark <laughs> for Nebraska. <laughs> like I mean, this is this is essentially the level that it got to and. Everyone is just telling me on, on message boards or, you know, in conversations with friends that, that follow this as closely as I do. When I've said, like, yeah, you know, maybe getting a, a backup nickelback. Yeah, in a perfect world, we could get a backup nickelback and also a quality linebacker that could, that could be a, a, a serviceable, you know, player there as well. Yeah. But I was just told I'm an idiot, apparently. Or for hey, saying maybe, that, a, maybe a, like a really good wide receiver. Yeah, or a wide receiver would be great too. <laughs> yeah. but, no, 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 no. Priorities are out of whack. We need the backup nickel. The nickel back. Number one on the list. Yeah. Linebacker. We're all done. We need a seventh, like, quality secondary player. Yeah, like, throw anybody. Like, throw anyone of, like, if, whether if it's T. Denson or if it's. Uh, Justin Gardner, like find a way to make it work with one of those guys playing Nickelback. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's hard on. to tell why that's uh, that why that was the priority. Yeah, I but from I just got browbeat by anyone that would I that would I would talk to that said, oh linebacker, oh who cares? Backup nickels, really where we need to be putting our eggs in the basket. So that's my bit on yeah. that. Yeah, I I I you know what would make sense to me? Slide Wayne Jones down to nickel and go out and find a line a real linebacker. Ah oh, no, nah, <laughs> nah. Yeah, I don't get it. Not for me. We're not, not we're for not, me. We're not football coaches, you know. Well, going out there and, doing and, this. and I've been and I've been beating the the whore, the dead horse apparently for months now about how we have to find a linebacker. Have to. Mm-hmm. Anybody, I would take. I mean, if you played at a Power Five university, we will take you. Previously, if you are transferring from a Power Five university, I will take you. Yeah, I, that, I, I mean, I just need bodies there. Yeah, but not not the case. Yeah. So anyway, Amaris Brown. Amaris Brown. That's to, that's, that's your nickel. That's the guy. Stubblefield is apparently uh, providing some depth up. There. So we'll see. I mean, but but the Amaris Brown, a guy who's like nineteen, he's technically a true sophomore, uh, mm-hmm. redshirt freshman, depending on how you count last year. That he's stepping in and. You know, being the projected starter, it's like, yeah, it's not the most complicated thing in the world to find somebody who can play nickel. But anyway, uh, by all accounts, 
a solid a solid spot for us, and uh, we'll uh, that that kind of closes the loop on the secondary. But in, in total, it sounds like you and I are pretty hot on the secondary. We like the yeah. secondary a lot. Yeah, and you know we're a little tepid on the defensive line, and we're both pretty darn cold when it comes to the linebacker. I think spot. that's a very good way of putting it. You know, you look at and I. I, I referenced Phil Steele because I have the magazine in front of me. And, you know, I think he is obviously looked at as one of the more respected guys in these preview magazines and so on and so forth. But, man, he he does not give us any credit in the defensive backfield, which I find a little odd. It's ridiculous. You know, it's out of, out of the 10 teams in the Big 12, he has our defensive line rated as 8th, which, okay, Fine, I, fine. Yeah. whatever. Linebackers, ninth. Agree. I, 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 I guess KU is... KU's, a, KU's the worst. KU has 10 as their rating uh, out of 10 for every position group. <laughs> Including offense? Every position group. <laughs> wow. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, defensive back, special teams, coaching. 10 across the board. Wow. Now, for the secondary, for defensive backs, he has us at eighth. Which, I, you know, I maybe, maybe, maybe. Phil still knows more about football than I'll He's forgot more about football than I'll ever know. He doesn't know, know more about K-State than you and I. But my thing is, I just look at what this defense, the defensive backs have, and I, I just really like what I see. If, if we're the eighth best defensive backfield in the conference... Then they're in the Big Twelve. This is the best conference in football yeah, the, history. Yeah, that is. I mean, did did I just wake up all of a sudden? And are we playing in the NFC West now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, is it is it uh, you know the San Francisco 49ers trotting people out there? I mean, I think that this defensive backfield is is going to be is going to be one of the top units in the Big Twelve, and I and I feel comfortable saying that. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I think that. Uh, and I'm not talking just like one of the top five best. I'm talking like one of the top three best. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I don't. Yeah. You look up and down the the secondary and you think, boy, where's where's the spot you don't feel pretty darn good about? I mean, I suppose the answer is uh, nickel, only because we haven't really seen too much out of Brown yeah. yet. And that nickel back man. Whew, don't out. don't don't forget about him. But the other thing too, and and I you know, that is an important position because the nickel back does. Add a lot to the defense. Yeah. Run support, blitzing off the edge, covering a slot guy. I mean, it is an important position. I don't want to, you know, uh, diminish that. However, I do think that when I look at what this defensive backfield has, I think there's a lot of interchangeable parts, too. I mean, with Gardner, um, T. Denson, if those are guys that are going to be maybe backup players in the secondary, sometimes it's kind of almost, to me, and, and maybe this is I'm not a, I'm not a football coach, so you're just the I, I'm just the icon. But it's almost like you know on the offensive line you talk so much of the conversations we want our best five guys out there. Yeah, and you know there there are skills there, there are skills that maybe don't translate right. To Obviously, you want a, the corner to have you know the hips and, and yeah, do but, all that stuff. But, but if T. Denson's sliding down to Nickelback instead of whether if it's Reggie Stubblefield or if it's uh, you know Ryan Hennington or Ross Elder at that nickelback position, I mean, whatever the case might be, or it's safety even. Shoot, 
throw throw them back there. Let's get, get your get your playmakers out on the field. Yeah. And you know what? If they if it blows up in your face, now you know. Because you know what? The other thing too, I'll mention. Echo Boydu, no one said he was ready to play. He gets out there and he was an All Big Twelve caliber player last year. Yeah. So Bottom sometimes line is we have eight or nine guys in the secondary that yeah. that can play. Absolutely. And and you you figure best next man up in some of those spots. And uh, anyway, I think uh, I think that that says what we think about the uh, secondary. Yeah. Real quick here, uh, Joe Klanderman, second year as the defensive coordinator. Last year, it's kind of tough to really say much about it. There are a lot of injuries, lots of just being shorthanded as far as that goes. Yeah. Um, you know, defense obviously sucked down the last five, four games. Of the yeah. Season. I mean, there's let's just call it how it is. Yeah. I mean, no, no other way to say it. Uh, in fact, I don't think they were particularly good during any real stretch. I mean, they played pretty darn well in the TCU game. Yeah, they and, did. And did a decent job against Tech, too. Um, but... On the other hand, but for the rest of the season, they seem like they really got picked on. Whether yeah. it's Arkansas State, I mean, OU blew them up for really three, three and a half quarters or two and a half quarters at least. Yeah. But um, yeah. So as far as Klanderman goes this year, I'll, I'll be interested to see. I, I think he'll go as far as the linebackers let him. I think that's gonna. I think that's what's gonna be the story of the season. I think if K State's linebackers can just not be so bad that it craters the entire defense. And I think this is a defense that can be at least good enough to give the offense a chance to win quite yeah. a few games. And, and, you know, the other thing, too, is with, you know, pace of play, limiting possessions, yep. yada, 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 you know, all that stuff that the offense wants to try to do. You squint and say, maybe. Defense might only have to – if defense can – you know, only be out there for seven, maybe eight possessions a game. I think that's pretty. <laughs> that's a pretty short game. I mean, hey, maybe that could happen. Yeah. Because I mean, what, uh, well, like, what's the what's the standard pos- amount of possessions in a game? Uh, I want to probably like closer to like eleven, twelve. Yeah, I was gonna say like eleven or twelve is probably, but maybe get them out there for eight, nine or eight. Yeah. Hey, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Also, too. Got to work the clock at the end of the half. Any experienced NCAA football player, NCAA football video game player, knows the importance of that. Limiting possessions, get that extra possession at half, really big. Yeah, and and I think we, we talked so much about the linebacker spot. that I think the defense can be okay-ish. I mean, I think they can get by. But it's going to – our linebackers have to not be totally horrible. Okay, and if they are, then I think K State's in big trouble. Okay, but I, I, it's it's not asking a lot. Just okay. don't be awful. completely awful. Okay. In fact, if if they're I'm ninth in the conference, if they're just can just be better than KU's linebackers, then you think, oh, ah, yeah, I got it. I yeah, I'm not going. I, <laughs> I, gotta, I'm, I'm just saying you got to be better than that. If they aren't historically bad, then I think that the rest of the defense is. Can be good enough to keep us in the game, especially when coupled with what we both think is very good offense. And so, uh, it's one position, one position group rather, and it's weak. But a lot of teams have 
one position it's weak oh sure and so no question um you know we had a weak position last year and went out and won four games yeah uh linebackers weren't very good last year i think they'll be probably a little worse this year but roughly on par um and so hopefully it's not as big of a deal uh as it can be and we can get by just with just a below average group of linebackers that's all we're asking just, okay. just don't be historically bad. Don't be terrible. If you can just get to what people would call below average, then I think the defense can hold teams to 25 points a game maybe, and the offense can uh, can go out there and do a better job. Two questions for you. Hit me. Ask, ask Dealer. Player on K-State's defense going into the year that you are most excited to see play? Julius Brents. I, I want to see if the hype is real with him um, because we've we've had such a great legacy of, of corners at K State who are, are totally game changers and whether it's you know AJ Parker is the most recent one but you think over the years like you mentioned Duke Shelley uh, Danzel um, and is from what people are saying Julius Brents is is that next guy yeah and absolutely. so all, I'm really eager to uh, to see. Uh, what he can do and, and see the, this great big-bodied cornerback going out and shutting people down. For me, T.J. Smith. I want to see. Yeah, you're ready. I want to see a full season of that. Uh, I'm also excited to see Timmy Horn. Go yeah. Out there. So, oh, okay. Yeah, he's he's another one. Okay. So now, other. I have two more questions. I said two to begin with. I have three. You're you're on three and out here. Yeah. So uh, hopefully a lot of three and outs for the K State defense this year. Uh, X factor. Is it is it Julius Prince? No. I think it's Daniel Daniel Green. Daniel Green. Okay. I think I think people are looking at him and, and kind of, or at least because he's a valuable guy. I know, and and so this is this is kind of my position is that, you know, he's pretty hyped up. He's been his career so far has been a little underwhelming, but a guy that, by he has every right to go out there and take a big step this year and and really improve after a full off season of spring camp and really starting to understand the defense and and so yeah i think i think if he can be take a big step this year then that that solves at least one serious problem with the defense um and that all of a sudden makes the defense look a little more competent i agree Uh, that's who i was gonna say too is the x factor yeah and last but not least you mean under the radar guy they say you know maybe folks are saying you know he's a he's he's listed as a backup now. He's a little bit maybe even further on the depth chart back. But by the end of the season, this guy, people are going to know kind of him. Echo Boydo, uh, factor. yeah. You know maybe yeah. maybe like that from last year. Because yeah, I I have a guy that I'm I'm interested in. I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I think it's probably King Felix. I think that's a nah, boy. That's that's where I was going. Yeah, I think uh, you know the projected starters are Duke and Boom just because they got the most run last year, but. Uh, Felix is a guy that I think uh, the expectations are, are pretty high from him, uh, at least among people in the know. And, you know, that other, really, the defensive end spot's wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so, that's a position that, it, it, it's just like any position, I think, it, on any team. But it's one of those things that, this is wide open. These guys are both going to get pretty what I would assume to be somewhat equitable snaps and somewhat equitable action here, at least early on. But if you produce, you're going to play. And 
if he can get on the field and uh, and maybe and show a little bit of you know kind of what we saw last year from Khalid Duke, but over a longer period, he'll get he'll crack the starting rotation, no problem. Absolutely. And so that's a guy that I think if you're looking for somebody who is really going to show up um, and kind of burst onto the scene, I'd put my money on him. You know who I'm going to also mention here because I kind of like his game a little bit too. This is a little bit of a deeper cut, and I'm looking him up in the uh, in the media guy that I've got in front of me just so I don't butcher his last name. But it is, drumroll please, Tyrone Tallini. Yeah. I, he flashed a little bit last year during the KU game. Has some good size, 6'2", 275. Defensive tackle, he's really bulked up. Yeah. I mean, he has really he put, put on, on a ton of he weight. He probably put on 20, 25 pounds yeah. in the offseason. He's been eating the biscuits. And, you know, for a position, too, that we've mentioned, with Horn and Huggins, even Pickle, you feel, okay, Robert Hentz, we've also you know mentioned he's played a little bit of football. But with uh, Tallini, I think that he's you know, someone to keep an eye on. Why not? Yeah. Dark I mean, horse. That, the, the spot opposite Horn, I feel like Horn is... The, pretty entrenched. Yeah. I feel like Huggins is pretty much entrenched too there. Yeah, but you feel like there's... I mean, Pickle got some run last year, and that's a spot that they like to rotate in and out. And so, yeah, I, I think that uh, Tyrone... What would you say? Tallini? Tallini. Uh, that, yeah, he could absolutely see some uh, time this year and hopefully go in there and make some noise. All right, well, I think that wraps it up here for the defensive preview. Uh, we did offense uh, last episode, defense this episode. But, folks, there's much more coming on this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. After a quick break, d and I will come back to give our season predictions, game by game, for K-State, and also kind of how we can handicap the rest of the Big 12 here as kickoff is just under three weeks away. We'll be back here on the other side of this break to do just that. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the Short Side Option Podcast. This is D. Lou. I'm sitting right next to Chris, the Icon Sork. And we're going to get into K-State's schedule this season and kind of put on our, uh, look into our looking glass, our crystal balls here, so to speak. It's out. It's right here on the table. Yeah. I have a nice little, what are the hats that they wear? I, I don't that who wears that like fortune tellers fortune tellers yeah I have no idea continue I'll, <laughs> I'll look that up all right uh, anyway we're gonna get into K State schedule look at it game by game and kind of figure out where K State ends up each game and uh, it's a and, turban of sorts oh yeah yeah that's that's just well the you're term. you wear yours all the time yes so I of didn't. course of course and uh, in any event we're gonna we're gonna look at this game by game. And, and kind of say what each of us thinks about it, and uh, we'll find out where we think K-State ends up at the end of the season. We're going to start right off here in Arlington, Texas. Wait, this is the game for K-State, I think. It's like. a big one. This, you know, if we have another uh, debut performance like we did against Arkansas State, I think that's going to be a real well, sour way to start the year. Yeah, and, and Dilo, I don't want don't to sidetrack us here too much, but... I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk expectations, just briefly here as yeah, we as we sure. get into this. So, the Las Vegas number for K State's win total of regular season wins is five and a half. 
frankly, ridiculous. And, you know, K-State at times last year, I don't think it, it once once we kind of, I mean, like that Arkansas State game, say what you will about it. Because I think you have to say, if you if you take the, the good with the Oklahoma win the next week, you have to take the bad with the Arkansas yeah. State loss. No, that I think game counts. I think that's, you got, got to be fair. Got to be fair. Got to be fair. But I think that you could maybe say that had Skylar Thompson not got injured last year, K-State could have been a top 20, top 15 type team last year and could have been in the race for the Big 12 title all the way until the end. Yeah. No, I, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, that's because that's what happens when the yeah. most important player goes down. Yeah. And, and the backup stinks. Yeah. And even with that backup not you know being great, we still won three straight after that. Uh, you know, at well, two and a half straight, so to speak, yeah. because he went out during the Tech game. Um, so anyway, what my point is is that you can kind of look at this a couple of different ways. Like you can say, like, you know, with Skylar Thompson, this K State team looked pretty darn good last year. They looked pretty salty. But then again, you can say, well, I saw the last five games of the season. And, and it wasn't pretty. And Skylar Thompson wasn't on that defense. Yeah, and and there's some issues. We were leaking serious oil every yeah. team this season. And there's some serious issues <laughs> that uh, just one player on the offensive side of the ball might not quite be able to to uh, put a bandaid on, so to speak. Yeah. So with that being said, your expectations for K State coming in this season, you know, I don't know if the Vegas win total holds any water to anyone else. It doesn't really hold a whole lot of water to me. We let the pickers pick. We'll let the pickers pick and we'll let the players play. And for me... But right now we're pickers. We're pickers. We're pickers now. But for me, what I I think of this team is I want to see some some serious progress made on the defensive side of the ball. And I also want to see more consistency in the offense, which I think we'll see. But the defense is a big question mark. Going into the season... I think the defense, obviously, as we mentioned, the biggest question mark. But I just want to kind of set the expectations. Five and a half is what Vegas says. I think that's probably about – I don't think that's egregious necessarily. I, I, think I, think, I think if you squint the right way, you can say, yeah, this team might not make it to a bowl. Maybe. Maybe. But I think things would have to if, – if that is the case, then – and, and this non-conference schedule, which we'll get into here shortly, sneaky hard. Kind of, right? Yeah. I mean, like, Nevada's, like, received votes. The, top 25. The problem is, is that there's two competent teams on it, and that's not usually what K-State sees. Don't sleep on the Salukis. Well, okay. Don't sleep on the Salukis. I, I'm not saying they're going to win, beat us. I'm not saying anything like that, but that, it's not a bad FCS team. And, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Enough of that. Let's get into the schedule. Yeah. Starting out in Arlington. Stanford. 11 o'clock. 11 a.m. Prime FS1, time. baby. Yeah. K-State rules. You know, I kind of have that same feeling a little bit. Right? I, I think I, I think K-State goes out and handles Stanford. Uh, maybe it's a nail-biter in the first half, but I, I think K-State really ought to go out there and, and I think K-State's the better team, and I think K-State uh, handles Stanford. You know, the thing is with Stanford is this is a program that's kind of lost its cachet here over the last, like, five yeah. years. I mean, this is a program, like, I remember when we went out in 2016 and played them. 
So we went out in 2016 and played them. They were a top 10 team in the country. You know, and they, they've had some nice years before. They've had some nice seasons. You know, and, and that 2016 team, team went won 10 games and, uh, you know, got to, the, uh, got to the Sun Bowl. 2017, another nine wins. 2018, nine wins. 2019, four wins. Last year, four wins in a shortened Pac-12 schedule. But you kind of get the feeling that Stanford isn't quite, like, I mean, because obviously, like, with Andrew, when you think Andrew Luck, Stanford, you know, kind of right around the time that K-State was really, you know, catching their stride in the in the early uh, 2010s, like, that was a program that was, had high in talent, obviously. Christian McCaffrey, you know, here more recently in 2016, as K-State fans saw yeah. up close. But just, you don't get the feeling that this is a program that is one of the West Coast elite anymore, necessarily. Right. So And Stanford, their win-loss uh, projection this year, pretty low. They have a brutal schedule. Right. They play Kansas State, Vanderbilt, and Notre Dame uh, in the ADA Conference. So, you know, they, not really many gimmies I, on their schedule. I would say that they're the only school... I uh, I think I saw this one of maybe I think they're one of maybe two schools this year uh, that does not play a group of five or FCS team the entire yeah. schedule. Brutal. So I think their win total was like only like three and a half, yeah, something like that, maybe even four, something like that. So very low, but a very tough schedule for the Cardinal. They return uh, six offensive starters, eight defensive starters. They're going to be breaking in a freshman quarterback, a highly touted uh, Tanner McKee. Is what the projection is, but you know I kind of I'm with you here. I think this is a game that K State uh, will win. I think that when you look at what, with you look at kind of what the the mantra is coming into this season, right? Kind of some unfinished unfinished business for some players. Like Skylar Thompson probably leads the cake here, or takes the cake in terms of wanting to end out his senior year on a high note. I think that K State's focused. I think that they're probably a little bit just more talented than Stanford, at least at, at, at this point in the season. And I think having a senior quarterback against a quarterback that's going to be making, um, you know, a first uh, his first career appearance. Heck of a way to start it in a big stadium. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's not going to be 70,000 sold out. It's going to maybe be 25,000, 30,000 people there. Um, but... I think K State fans will show up in you know in a decent number, and I hope that they you know make it loud for them. Uh, I do think though the big thing that I'm concerned about with Stanford, you're going to get a physical kind of that pro style running the ball offense. We've talked about how we're a little shaky on the linebackers; they're going to be testing this one. Yeah, although I, I feel better about them in run control than I do uh, trying to cover over the middle. But this year, regardlessly, I, I think we both agree that, that we both like uh, K-State in this one. All right, D'Lo, quick question. Yeah. K-State starts 1-0. Yeah. Went over Stanford, and you sir, are saying somewhat convincingly. Yeah, no, K-State's receiving votes. Okay, after. that's where I was going. Yeah. We're going to get – an addition of studs and duds after week one. Yeah, maybe mark it down. Maybe only like four or five. Mark it down. But uh, there will be there will be studs and duds. Kirk Kirk Bowles will uh, come through for us. It, this is right in his backyard. Too. Unless Texas's departure, which you talked about earlier, kind of sours him on the rest of the the, the Big Twelve. Uh, he wouldn't do that. No, to us. not he, he not as long a, as Bill 
Not as long as the legend is still alive. That's right. That's right. Okay, so 1-0 for K-State. Southern Illinois. Uh, you like the Salukis. I think they stink. I think they have no business being on the legend's turf. Um, and I think K-State laughs them out of the stadium. I think it's a joke. I mean, what was that Georgia Tech 230-point game? Uh, yeah, against Cumberland, like 222 to yeah, nothing. Yeah, You I, think we're pushing that, I maybe? I think we're pushing that. Okay. Take the over. Okay. Uh, I think... K-State, I, I don't think, I, I, I mean, I know that K-State will win this game. I say that with utmost confidence. However, Southern Illinois, uh, an FCS team, uh, they played earlier this, uh, this spring with, uh, with their, yeah. uh, their spring ball. So, you know, I kind of wonder about this. Like, with having some of these FCS teams, you know, their spring ball was actually playing competitive football. Right. Like, I guess I don't teams. think it's helpful. I don't think that gives them an advantage. I don't know if it does. Uh, yeah, I mean... I mean... Uh, the only... Uh, no, I, I, uh, I think that it, if you're trying to prepare for the season, the best way to do that is to prepare for the season, not have a season. Yeah. I mean, because... There, there's probably some it, truth to that. It was an abridged schedule for them, wasn't it? You, you know, they did crown a champion, and I believe Southern Illinois was... Uh, they were on the outside looking in of, of getting into the playoff. I do believe because I did watch one of their games. Uh, I caught the, caught the tail end of it, and you know, but they were they had a pretty decent season, like six and three. So they're not a not a world beater, not but uh, but they're not a joke. I mean, I think this is a team that is is going to be you know somewhat game coming into Manhattan, but I expect K State to handle handle the business and take care of it. And Nevada. Now September eighteenth, one oh five. In the bill. Yeah, so this is kind of a sneaky game, right? Like, everyone's talking, everyone, all the value is about standing. Yeah, everyone, like, kind of the hipster, and it's not, I'm not necessarily saying it's, the, like, a wrong take, but kind of the hip, like, hot take. It's like, oh, you're worried about Stanford? Huh, Nevada's the way tougher opponent. Well, you know what, They that, that might be right. But Stanford is the bigger game because it's the first game. And you know what, that's all that matters. Next is one. the next game. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've said that to you many, many of millions times. of times. And uh, but with Nevada, they do have an experienced quarterback, Carson Strong. Very good quarterback. He is coming off of off-season surgery and has only practiced one time here in uh, in fall camp. So nursing him back into the mix. I don't know if there are any lingering effects with the surgery, but something to keep an eye on. That's inside here, uh, exclusively on the short side option. Exclusively uh, here, uh, I think K State wins. Um, but I, I think I, I am one of those hipsters. I think this is going to be the toughest test of K State's first three games. Yeah, you know, I've noticed you've been rolling your jeans up a little bit. You know, they they've been getting a little high. Uh, now, you know, it's funny. This is going to be a really because I, I mentioned um, I, I mentioned Carson Strong, the the much ballyhooed quarterback uh, from uh, the Nevada Wolfpack. Uh, Romeo Dubes, the wide receiver, is one of the is one of the premier wide receivers in the group of five and in the Mountain West Conference as well. We like our secondary. Yeah, this could be a good litmus test in terms of you know is it going to be the high flying offenses of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State that that you see in the Big Twelve? Uh, maybe not quite, but this is a good test for the secondary. And uh, if if this secondary is kind of what we think they are. Uh, this is a matchup that you know we're excited to see. You like, yeah. We're we're excited to see how, how our guys match up there. Uh, but I'm with you. 
I think K-State wins and uh, closes out non-conference. 3-0. and oh. And we are knocking on the door of the top 25 at this point. We're like 28th. Well, now, you know, I'm going to... I have Nevada's schedule, you know, right here in front of me. And I, when I'm looking at it... There's a not nothing chance that they're also undefeated when they come into uh, come into Manhattan. Yeah, they have a game in Berkeley. Yeah, they, they have a game against the the Cal Bears, and then they get Idaho State at home. So, yeah, I believe I saw that Nevada's receiving some votes um, in the AP Top Twenty Five. So you know maybe kind of uh, uh, they come there and beat Cal. There's a decent chance they're they're ranked coming into Manhattan. Uh, I don't know about that. Maybe. Yeah, it could be. Depends. 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 But there could. This could be some uh, kind of sneaky under the radar kind of receiving votes game uh, if it maybe goes the way that we we think it could. Yeah. And uh, so moving on to Stillwater. K State travels down three and K State against uh, probably well Oklahoma State's got a little tricky non con too. Yeah, right? they get to go out uh, to another Mountain West Conference uh, opponent in, in Boise. Yeah, and so. Uh, Oklahoma State could uh, could oh yeah premiere at a conference win, uh, but regardless, uh, how do you see the Cats faring against Oklahoma State? Yeah, this is a tough one for me. I mean, I think this is a game that K State will probably come into a slight underdog. Um, you know, anywhere from a touchdown to to you know four points somewhere in that range. Um, depending on how things obviously go, but it, I'm we're we're looking to hear at the projection that we have. Stillwater's been a tough place for K State to win at. Uh, got got on the dub, got on the board there back in 2017, but have had a tough time winning in Stillwater uh, for for a number of years. But but pretty close games. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's the thing with when when we really with the exception nineteen wasn't that close. No, but. The the two exceptions um, are the are the two most recent years eighteen and nineteen uh, because we took care of them uh, at home when we were not very good in two thousand eighteen and they they kind of took care of us in, in two thousand nineteen with that that uh, storm delayed game that that we all uh, were trying to figure out how to work ESPN Plus for the first time together. Is that, uh, didn't Hubbard have about oh, maybe yeah. 300 the, yards? Yeah, they, they ran wild on us. And, uh, you know, it, it's a game that I think K-State absolutely has a chance to, to win. But gun to my head, I'm taking the pokes here in this one. Yeah, I uh, you know, I think that this is a game K-State can win. Uh, you know, we, we saw a little bit of Spencer Sanders last year in the post-Tylen Wallace yeah. world. And it wasn't anything... Uh, to write home about. You know, you're absolutely right. And this is a game that I think is probably, you know, when you look at these schedules, you talk about like the swing game, that this could really swing your season between going from, oh, call it a 6-6, to maybe, you know, if you win this one and kind of establish momentum, could go to 8-4 or something like that. Yeah, make no mistake, K-State will be dogs in this game. Yeah, they'll be be an underdog. Uh I think this is one where K-State goes down there and uh, gets one. I, I think that, uh, that really Oklahoma State's offense without Hubbard, without Tylen Wallace, and you got Spencer Sanders. They do, they do replace a lot. There's yeah. no question and about so it. I think, I think Oklahoma State's right for the picking. If, if K-State's 
offense is as good as I think it's going to be. I think uh, the defense is going to have a task, but with the secondary locking things down, I think K-State goes down there and wins one in Stillwater. I like it. I think K-State absolutely has a chance in this game. I just think that K-State has had a tough time in Stillwater over the years, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give this one to the Pokes, but for you to say that uh, K-State has absolutely a chance to go down there, and you, you think they're going to win. I, I don't I, I can't say that that's outrageous by any stretch. Yeah. Okay. I, so I'm but, with you there. But we differ on the on the Oklahoma State game. We do. Then K State hosts the Sooners into Manhattan. Climbing two and zero against OU. Is this where uh, Lincoln Riley finally uh, gets one back? Yeah, I think it is. I think that uh, this is a game that K State. Um, man, I'll, I'll tell you what though. I am salivating at the opportunity of being 4-0 hosting Oklahoma. Man, that is that would be a dream. That would be really fun. That would be a dream. Now, I hope it doesn't end out like 2011, which was good for about a half, and then turned sour yes. very quickly. <laughs> that was a brutal game. Yeah, that was. That game doesn't get talked about enough for how, what a letdown. Like, that's right up there with, like, the the Nebraska game in uh, yeah. 2010. Yeah, for sure. Where it's I mean, really thing, hyped and everybody's super pumped and K-State's thinking... And, and you know, even in that Nebraska game at halftime, you know, we, I, we were down by like two scores. Like, I think we were down yeah. by 14. And like, we weren't really in it. No. Really. I mean, like, you, you it's like, you, if you, you kind of tried playing like the mental gymnastics, or at least I did. So I was like, you know, I, Nebraska gets the ball, you know, we get a quick three and out, you know, we, we get on get the board, back, you know, and, then, and, then, and then we're in the game. And then Taylor Martinez rips off another 80 yard run for a touchdown, <laughs> like, before I might even be able to get back into my seat or to, you know, you know, get back in, into the action in, in, in this oh, game. Oh, no, this, this game. We know is, where this is going. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think Oklahoma has got a lot of firepower. I think that they, uh, as much as I hate to say it, I think this is the best team that they've had under Lincoln Riley uh, coming into the season. And I expect them to be a playoff team. And I expect, unlike some of the other Oklahoma teams that they've had here in kind of recent history, like, you know, when the team that they had with, like, Baker Mayfield, when they, they lost to Georgia – in that in that great Rose Bowl game, yeah, like that was a team that you thought was really good and like could could stand up against anybody, yeah, and, and possibly win a national title. And some of these other ones, like the, let's use the Jalen Hurts Oklahoma team. I didn't really think that team was all that good. They yeah. got in the playoff and then they got waxed by LSU. I think this OU team has a very good chance of winning the national title. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends a lot on whether Radler takes that yeah. step to just be more consistent and, it, and a dependable guy. I think I saw somebody say this, and I think this is a really great characterization of kind of what the growth he needs to take. Is is he an actual elite player, which I hate using that term elite because I think it's stupid, I think it's overused, but is he actually an elite quarterback or is he just like Oklahoma elite? Like... A product of the system, more or less, like kind of like how Jalen Hurts was really Got a ton like, of yards, but but is he really all that good? Yeah, and, and and Rattler has all the talent. He's way more talented than Jalen Hurts. I think he has that talent to to take it that next step, which I think he will. So I I like Oklahoma in this game. I like them. He just can't have halves like he had against K State yeah, last. Yeah, absolutely. Week. And and part of that's the offensive line and so on and so forth. But 
Yeah, I, I think K State gets run out of. Yeah, I think they get kind of beat up. I kind of, I think they kind of get yeah, beat up. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's time to pay the piper for uh, climbing with respect to Lincoln Riley. So let's let's kind of recap here. We're we're let's here, recap during the bye. We're 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 we have a bye week now after Oklahoma. I've got us set at three and two on a two game losing streak. You have us at four and one. Um, which is really like we mentioned Oklahoma. I mentioned Oklahoma State as a potential swing game. Yeah, I think another. Granted, I think I, I think there are a couple swing games. Yeah, here. I think there are like two it or would, three. It wouldn't blow my mind if instead of four and one, we're sitting at two and three. Yeah, maybe one and four because there ain't no gimmies in those first five games and. Ain't no gimmies in the first six. Yeah, games. Southern Illinois, I'll say, is is, is as close to a gimme yeah. other than KU on but, the schedule. But uh, would you, oh, quick question: Would you say percentage chance of winning higher, KU or Southern Illinois? Uh, Southern. Okay. Yeah, I mean, just the average caliber athlete between those two schools. And I'm not. That's not giving credit to KU. It's saying that I think they're better than a non-playoff FCS team talent-wise, but. Not Phil Steele might uh, say different. I don't know. That's, that's it, it, I'd be interested to hear his opinion. So okay. So but anyway, yeah, I, I have a four and one here in uh, mid August. Um. So this Iowa State game, right? Yeah. Feels big, huh? You kind know, of like if, in terms of like if you're four and one, yeah, it's it's a huge well, game. but not even just in terms of records on the schedule. Let's just talk about like program trajectory. Well, and, program trajectory, it, it's night and day. Yeah, exactly. Day. Maybe unfairly because yeah. you know it. Rewind back to 2019, and we beat Iowa State here at home. Skylar Thompson stays healthy last year, then maybe the two programs aren't don't seem all that different. And, but in terms of like a local and regional perception. Whether if it's with recruiting or whether if it's just with in the Big Twelve, you know, you look at this game. I mean, like K State back in 2019, we we played Iowa State and we really beat them up. And like we we dominated yeah. that game. Yeah, and that was a tricky game too because of the wind. Yeah, and, and K State just had to go out there and kind of grind one out on the ground. Yeah, and you know, with last year, I mean, they blew the doors off us, 45 nothing. Um, ugly, ugly game. Iowa State goes to the Fiesta Bowl. They are the hot team, you know, up and coming team. Got a great young coach. Preseason top ten, I believe. I saw him ranked at number seven or eight in yep. the uh, in the had some uh, top five votes. Yeah, um, it, by all accounts, it's going to be a very good team. But I sense a little bit of overrated when I talk about this Iowa team, Iowa State team, in. I'll yep. I'll lead to I'll lead it at, with it like this. When I look at their schedule here, um, they obviously have that big time showdown with um, with Iowa week two. They have that tricky Baylor game, kind of you know right there to kick off conference on the road. I think Iowa State is in a similar situation as what you have us in. At four and one, I think they they take care of business. I think they lose to Iowa, maybe. And I mean that's that's what what's interesting about this is it feels like all the out of conference hype is is Iowa. This is the year Iowa State beats Iowa. This is where Campbell. Yeah, but Iowa State it. just has to beat Iowa, right? But but don't forget about Northern Iowa. <laughs> Northern Iowa has always played tough. <laughs> don't forget about they they go out to Las Vegas too, which late game, 
Um, you know, I, Iowa State's the better team. I, I don't think UNLV oh, is no. going to be given a... No, no, no chance there. But I'm saying there's there's a couple tricky little uh, games there in their first three, especially the Iowa game. And then, like you said, they have to go down to Waco. And I don't think Baylor's a world beater by any stretch this year. But they're a little bit like us where you look at their first four games and I think there's probably one gimme if you want to call Northern Iowa a gimme for them. But uh, UNLV's gimme. They're terrible. Yeah, fair enough. They're but, terrible. But it's a... Road game late at night. All those weird, uh, weird stuff. Happens. All those all those Iowa State fans are going to be cashed out on Bush Light. They're not going to make it to to Allegiant Stadium there to watch that one. Well, they played at the Raiders Stadium, you know. They are. Yeah, that's that's the home of UNLV. What football. are they doing with the? Uh, oh, that's done. Huh. That's yeah. I mean, it's still. Yeah, I guess if you got it there. Right? Yeah, I mean that. How about that for a selling point for a Mountain West school to play in it? Playing that thing. Come on out to Las Vegas, yeah, yeah, man. But okay, so this. But is anyway, been, yeah, let's, I, let's I, I get off agree with you. I think Iowa State is living off some pretty fortunate stuff last year. Um, in that I don't think I think they were pretty fortunate with COVID sitouts. Didn't really they have, have they, any brutal injuries. Nobody they, they lost to Louisiana last. Yeah, year. and Louisiana's a nice team, but they um they stayed remarkably healthy and available. Right, and so I think that the hype this year is that, oh, Iowa State had a great 2020, but I think that you have to be a little careful putting too much stock into how teams necessarily looked last year. Yeah. Just because of the variance and sit-outs. And And full credit to Iowa State, by the way. Oh, absolutely. I'm not going to discount what they did last year. I think that, but it's fair to... I was skeptical of Campbell for... Far longer than I should have been, but I think he's the real deal. Oh, no I think question. they're certainly a quality. You had a nice team. interaction with him over the offseason. That's right. I saw him at dinner and I said, Hey, take it easy on our cats. And what did he say? He laughed. Didn't really say much. So there wasn't necessarily an acceptance of that he promised to take it easy on cats. No, 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 no. He was all business. But I, I sat next to him. Well, because wife. if he did say that he was going to take it easy on KC and he, then he didn't, then he'd be a liar. Yeah, I guess that's true, isn't it? But he didn't. He he made okay. no problem. That's that's good to know, though. Yeah. Okay. No, he he didn't set himself up for uh, for anything like that. Anyway, I think K State loses. Um, but I but I I'm not ready to. I I don't think that's a lock by any stretch. Certainly not to the degree. I, I feel uh, more confident about K State's chances in this one than I do the week pre or the two weeks previous at uh, hosting Oklahoma. All right. So, loss for Dillon. Both teams, both teams coming off a of bye week. You got that crazy look in your eye, Icon. Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and give K-State a win here. I think coming off a of bye wow. week, I think this is really – this is actually a pretty pretty damn crucial part of the schedule for K-State. Because I, I in my scenario, in my world, I've got us coming off of two straight losses to Oklahoma schools. And then, you know, there's a little bit of me that kind of wonders. Like, last year when things kind of got nasty for K-State, the team kind of folded. I mean, let's just call it how it is. The team quit. And, you know, you you wonder, does that happen again? If we go on a three- or four-game losing streak. Because then after this one, we go out to Lubbock. And, you know, that's a place that we've also had kind of a tough time historically at. Um, But I think that there is – 
something to be said that I, I think these programs, in terms of perception, are really on complete polar opposite trajectories. In terms of perception by whether if it's media, regional fans, whatever the case is. But I think they're a little bit closer than what people really... 45 nothing uh, has a way of doing that. Yeah, and that's, that's fair. But I think that K-State is a little bit... Uh, I think also, too, you have to look back. Just two years ago, when things were as, as normal as it gets in terms of full health on one side, full health on the other, K-State beat Iowa State and beat them relatively convincingly. Yeah, and I think K State has a kind of a. This is a great opportunity for K State hosting two of the presumed heavyweights of the Big Twelve back in in back to back home games for for the Cats. I don't think we get Oklahoma, but I think we get Iowa State this year. Yeah, I think Purdy and, and Hall is a, a a tricky matchup for for our defense, but um, hey, I love it. All right, I, I, I like your uh, like your style. So we both have a. It uh, what four and two now? Correct, and that's I'm going out on a limb on that one, but I I'm, it's a limb I'm willing no, to go I like out it. On. Yeah. All uh, right. Up next, K State travels to West Texas to face off against Matt Wells' Red Raider squad. I think K State wins. I, I I think they get they got that quarterback from Oregon. Uh, yeah, what's his show name? Tyler Show, and uh, he's pretty ballyhooed. Uh, you know. A lot of people think he's going to solve the problems for Texas Tech, but I think it was beyond. The I think I think that he's fine. I think he's not all that great. I, I wasn't overly impressed. He kind of lost his job at Oregon uh, t- towards the tail end of the season. That's kind of why he had to transfer. I think Oregon's going to be better off without him. Quite frankly, when I look at what, um, quite frankly, when I look at what Texas Tech has, I think Matt Wells is probably on the hottest seat of any coach going in. Uh, to the Big 12 uh, and, and into the year. And in the Big 12, I think he's... I, I think it's going to probably take more than just uh, six wins in a bowl game to have him keep his job. Uh, I, I just don't really see that that program's going in the trajectory that, that Tech fans would like. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give K-State a win there, too. Uh, pop quiz icon. Yeah. When was the last... What year was the last time that... Texas Tech had a winning conference record. Um, winning conference record. Well, I don't think they probably ever had one with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. And they haven't had one since then, I don't recall. Um, man, would it happen to be 2012? Uh, try 2009. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, I remember in two thousand uh, in two thousand twelve, they they came into K State ranked in the top fifteen in that game. Yeah, they finished that season four and five in conference. Well, you know they haven't they they just haven't had much luck in terms of long term success uh, after Mike Leach left. They haven't had a winning season at all since two thousand fifteen. Yeah. Um. So that's a program that. And part of this is realignment stuff, but everyone's like, oh, Texas Tech's a hot commodity. It's like, Why? They stink. I get yeah. that it's not about winning and losing, but it's yeah, like... Well, since when is college football actually about winning and losing? <laughs> I mean, why, why, do we, why even play the games if it's not even about but winning and losing? Texas Tech is 
I mean, they're lucky they, they share conference with KU because that's a program that has been down for a while. And, they, and there's plenty of support. Yeah. I mean, for Tech. I mean, I, I've gone out there a couple times for, for, for football games, and, you know, they haven't had a whole lot to cheer about. But, uh, you know, it, it's a program that you kind of forget about, too. I mean, being, you know, the far as far outside of kind of the, the – the I-35 corridor that runs through uh, the state of Texas. Um, you know, it's it's a program that has had trouble making that right hire after after Mike Leach. Yeah. And whether it's been the the favorite son, Cliff Kingsbury, who had, you know, limited success. Uh, Tommy Tuberville, who was not a cultural fit at all. Um to now, you know, Matt Wells not really much of a fit culture-wise in terms of any ties to the program before, and, and he hasn't seen a whole lot of success. You know, out, out of that class of the new coaches of the Big 12 when Climate got hired, of Neil Brown at West Virginia, um, Neil Brown at West Virginia, Les Miles at KU, Matt Wells at Texas Tech. I mean, Climate and, and – uh, and uh, Neil Brown at West Virginia, clearly the top two. Now, granted, there are concerns there as well. I think that's fair to say. But that kind of paints the picture of where Matt Wells and this Texas Tech program is at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, missing bowl games for the last five years, five out of the last seven years. That's a program that just hasn't had a lot of success in the post-Mike Leach era. Uh, But in any event, uh, I think uh, K-State gets the W against Texas Tech. I think you agree. Yep. I agree. K State, K State, uh, you know, gets it done in Lubbock. <sighs> this is another one that you know we typically have had a tough time there, but you know, I, I just feel like K State's got a little bit more going for it right now than Tech. Um, I think there's a lot of unknowns going in for Tech, a lot of unknowns going in really on the defensive side of the ball, as we mentioned for K State. But you know, in a lot of these games, what I'm coming down to is where I think. In games that K-State are, you know, the swing games, if you will. I gave Oklahoma State one because it was on the road. I gave K-State the Iowa State game. It's at home. Say what you will about that. Um, Texas Tech, I think that that's a team that we're, we're, we're better than. It being on the road makes it a little bit interesting. But having an experienced quarterback, I think, is what it all comes back to. For me, that's a big deal. For me, that's why I take K-State in this one. So we each have K-State 5-2 and two after seven games. We do. We do indeed. And then a trip down to Fort Worth, Texas. And at this point, if you bet K-State going over 5.5, that thing's you cash, that thing's that cash baby. Yeah. That thing is cash. With, with KU still left on the schedule, you're feeling pretty darn good. Yeah, you are. You are. But first, a trip to Fort Worth where K-State... No, 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 no. Oh, Frogs come to Manhattan. Oh, you're right. That's that's correct. We went down to Fort Worth last year. Yes. So the Cats host Gary Patterson and his quarterback Max Duggan. Icon, how do you feel about the Horned Frogs? I think TCU is probably. If you put a gun to my head, and you said, "Who's in the Big Twelve Championship game this year?" You can't pick Iowa State. Or Oklahoma. You have to give me a pick otherwise. It might be TCU. Really? It might be TCU. Um, I, You know, Gary Patterson, 
there are some folks out there that think he's lost his touch a little bit. I, you know, I think he's just had inconsistent quarterback play. With Duggan, you've seen flashes of it. Um, you know, he's been starting there now for, for you know, two whole years. You'd expect to see kind of him saying, okay, what, are we, what do we really have here with, with Duggan? For me, I look at this game as a game that is another kind of toss-up swing game. And, you know, I gave K-State the Iowa State game. I gave them the Oklahoma game. I'm taking the Frogs here. I think K-State, uh, you know, is going to be in a couple of these games this year that are, are going to be kind of toss-up games. It's at home. I just think that TCU's got a little bit more talent on the defensive side of the ball and, and makes things tough with Gary Patterson always having a tough defense. I think Duggan makes enough plays. It's a game that I can see going either way, but I, I, I'm taking TCU in this one. Yeah, I'm taking K-State. I, uh, and I'm probably biased just because I didn't watch a whole lot of TCU last year uh, beyond our game. They were terrible. They were awful in that game. Yeah. That was the worst I've seen a TCU team play offensively since, I don't know, probably since that Cal game in, in the Cheez-A Bowl that was just yeah, an absolute Yeah, it was just a, a, an insult to the sport. Um, but, man, it, I just – seeing how pathetic their offense was last year, it, and this game being at home this year, and I, and I know they're not quite as bad as they looked – but I, I can't, in good faith, say that I actually think K-State's going to lose to them this year. Uh, I have K-State winning. Um, and that's just because I, uh, their offense, and like I said, I don't know a lot about TC, but their offense would have to get a lot better. Um, and, and I think K-State's offense is going to be better than they performed in Fort Worth last year. Well, you know, the thing is, is how I should say this, I think that... Oh, man, that's kind of funny. You know, I picked, uh, of the three games that I think so far are really the swing games, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and TCU, I gave the win to the highest, to, to what is is supposed to be the best opponent. You know, I, I gave the win for K-State against Iowa State. Um, you know, with, with, with TCU, they do return 10 starters on offense, 8 starters on defense. It's a, it's a talented, you know, group coming back, well-coached. Game easily, K-State can win. I think K-State finds a way to win at least one of those three uh, of those swing games. And for the swing game I've got going, it's 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 Iowa State. Yeah. So that that's maybe that's a little funny, but uh, that's what I've got. I'm sticking to it. I like it. I like it. Uh, KU. Sunfeller Showdown. Sun. All right, Sunfeller Showdown. Um. Hey, how about this, Lance Leipold? Yeah. We haven't really talked about that. First uh, iteration of his Sunflower Showdown, you know? Yeah. With, with him getting in the mix here. What do we think about that? I think KU's going to be a really weird team this year. I, I think they haven't really solved any of their issues that plagued them last year, uh, beyond maybe coaching. But without practice, I mean, instituting your offense and defense in fall camp is a really tall order. Uh, and it's made even taller by coaching the worst team in the conference and the Power Five and one of the worst teams in the entire FBS. 
Uh, I think KU's as bad as ever this year. And well, when it comes to when it comes to knowing KU, I defer to you, man. You 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 you've got them covered. Yeah, and I you know I think their their offense is probably going to be worse than it was last year because they lost some at receiver and didn't really I mean made some marginal their offensive line may be marginally better, but uh, Puka's out being he's obviously gone. I, although I do like uh, a couple of their running backs. I think Gardner's pretty good. Um, but, ooh, no, there, there's not a whole lot uh, to be – they lost their uh, good corner. What was his name? Uh, oh, Prunty. Yeah. Carl Prunty. Yeah. They got some other players. You, you're looking there. at me like you didn't know that. I, I didn't. I you, know where he, you know where he went? Did he end up at Tennessee? Oh gosh! Along with I, I that should defense alignment they had. I want to. I want to say he went to Florida State. I thought. Oh really? Um. Well, regardless, he's yeah. gone. Disregardless, he's, he's, he's gone. He's so out. I think. No, I think KU's going to have a really hard time this year. Um, I think they get. Oh boy, they, South they get South Dakota at home. Yeah, South Carolina. South Carolina. They get South Dakota at home and. Top twenty-five, Coastal Carolina. What, what do you think the line on the South Dakota game is going to be? South Dakota's not a bad FCS team. We should know. That was that was <laughs> debilitating, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Huh? I was up in the press yeah, box for I, that game. I, I remember you telling me that about, was. I remember. Okay, so I remember. You know, I'm just a fan of the game. You know, partaking in tailgating the whole whole nine, and. Uh, you know, Delu is up there, you know, covering the game for the Great Bend Tribune up in the press box, and he texts me, you know, uh, at halftime saying, like, hey, meet me, meet me, you know, by the press box or meet me, you know, out uh, by the concession stand or whatever. And, and I remember talking with you, and you did not look well. I That's as closest to hell as I think I've ever been. You looked awful. It was sitting in there watching – watching what would be the worst loss in K-State history from an opponent perspective. Well, yeah, in our lifetime. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair yeah. enough. In, in terms, yeah, yeah. Uh, and having to be up in the press box and not be able to, well, say anything. Yeah, and then yeah, be forced exactly. to write about it afterwards. Yeah, and, and you think you're going to write about the worst loss in I'm your thinking, lifetime. Yeah, I'm thinking, well, this, is, this was a stew. I'm just going to quit <laughs> Yeah, I'm done. Dude, this job is a meme anyway. I like it. But, uh, no, so that was Well, awful. you know what it, What's really sucked about that game? Was, you know, it's like the first game of, the K, uh, of every K-State season, right? I mean, like, expectations were modest probably going in that season. Yeah. You know, maybe 6-6, six and six, you know, 7-5. and five. Someone maybe that said they did it too. I don't know. I mean, maybe. Who knows? Um... But, like, you know, uh, Snyder's not going to show anything. He's going to hold it all back for Mississippi State next week. Yeah. Then it became very apparent that, like, oh, no, we suck. Yeah, we're really bad. We suck. Yeah. And, uh, and then Mississippi State came out and just ate our Oh, brush. yeah, they beat, beat the hell out of us. And, um, yeah, it, it became like, oh, like, this, oh, you know, we'll turn it on the second half. We'll blow these guys out. We'll run No, 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 no. No, we're we're bad. Yeah, we're we're really bad. Yeah, so, no, we're trying. That was kind of like a a um, 
a really by like, the grace of God we won that. Yeah, game. that was Isaiah Zuber. Yeah, thank you. Anyway, so uh, KU hosts the Coyotes uh, in Week One. Uh, back to my question: What's the line in that game? You know, I, I'd say K State's or I'd say KU's favored by anywhere I'm maybe seven and yeah, a half. Yeah, I, I, I was not going to go any higher than ten points. Yeah, uh, I was going I was going to say seven to ten points. Yeah, yeah, uh, could be tricky for him, but. No, I think Katie's going to have a rough Yeah, game. I don't think they win a conference game. No. Um, All right. And that includes against K-State. We agree on that. K-State hosts West Virginia the following week on November 13th. Kleiman has had kind of a, a bugaboo with Neil Brown, uh, losing to him in his first season. game that K-State probably should have won. Uh, yeah, K-State. You know, on paper, you're thinking that's, that's a game K-State shouldn't have uh, given away. Last year, in last year's contest, uh, West Virginia really came out, um, and that was the first real game where I feel like K-State got a little exposed in terms of what we were looking like, uh, what we actually were post-Skyler Thompson. Uh, West Virginia comes out, it really hams, yeah, just hammers us. Offense couldn't get anything going. The defense got carved up in what would be a little bit of a Come back to Earth Canary Park, in the yeah. coal mine yeah. for what awaited the future of the Yeah, you know, podcast. so back in 2019, K-State had no business losing to West Virginia. 14-point uh, favorite in that one. They, they lose that one 24-20. Uh, to 20. Last year, as we mentioned, they got kind of hammered uh, in that game. You know, 0-2 against Neil Brown, 2-0 against Lincoln Riley. Who would have thought, huh? Wow, yeah. Uh, but... I think Kleiman and company in K-State get on the right side here. I think this is a game K-State wins. Yeah, I, this feels like a game to me that it, it would seem typical for K-State to go out and lay a stinker here. Um, I I think for whatever re- reason, Neil Brown uh, has had Kleiman's number. Um, and I, I, think I have K-State dropping this one at home to West Virginia in a game that would be – that will be just as frustrating as the 2019 contest was. Man. Yeah. Really? I did not think you were going there. Things, it's, you know, it's, it's, I mean, if K-State's, if the season goes like K-State, for K-State like I've predicted so far, K-State will be probably favored by a fair amount. No, they'll be, they'll be favored by anywhere from 10 to 14, probably. But, I mean, but I, I think that, we're, Man, we're, I'm not, we're not a complete enough team to win every game that I think we should win. Yeah, and you you kind of hit me with that there, man. That that, that that is kind of similar in some respects to kind of what I have with TCU. Yeah. You yeah, know? no, I think those are two split, similar split games. Split those but, two? Okay. Yeah. Not, the, not the end of the world for KSA fans. So we enter, the, uh, we enter here the final two games here against Baylor and Texas. Baylor at home, Texas on the 40 acres. Baylor is another team that, you know, is kind of in a bit of an unknown, has a lot of question marks. They, uh, they've they added some new folks, uh, you know, on that staff uh, for, for Dave Aranda. Uh, I believe Larry Fedora, now the offensive coordinator, was last year, I believe. But Larry Fedora on the, def- uh, on the offensive staff, um, they got the offensive line coach from BYU coming in there. Now, 
I, I was listening to I think I was listening to Stanford Stephen the Bear talking about this, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's interesting because BYU you're coaching like 25, 26 year old men possibly yeah on that offensive line like that's a little bit different in terms of the development of what you're identifying here at 19, 18, and 20. You know I mean because these are these are men you're coaching grownups yeah you're coaching adults you're at not least, coaching guys who were in third period algebra last this year. time last year so. That'll be interesting. You know, Dave Aranda, no question that he knows what he's doing on the defensive side of the ball. And Baylor has had some issues, you know, last year they had issues scoring enough. Um, The only two games they won last year against KU and K-State. Kansas State champs. Kansas State champs. The T-shirts have been printed, folks. Uh, But, you know, really when you think about it, I think K State should win this game. I don't think that there's really. I think this one's relatively straightforward. But you know, to your point of having K State lose in the week prior to West Virginia, there's not a whole lot of difference between Baylor and West Virginia in my eyes. Uh, this is a game K State could easily lose. But you know, when you're one of these teams that is not as well-rounded as we think they are right now. This is a game that K-State could easily lose again. So, uh, interested to hear your take. I've got K-State winning this one, though. i got K-State winning this one, too. I think K-State gets back on the right side of things. I I, I think K-State probably should have won the game last year with Howard back there. I think Thompson makes our team a lot different. Um, and so, I know they always got some new faces, but I think uh, K-State gets on the right side of things against Dave Aranda's squad. Okay. Black Friday. Black Friday. Down on the 40 acres. Steve Sarkeesian. His first edition of the Chisholm Trail rivalry. I believe his first time playing K-State since the uh, the 96 Cotton Bowl. Yeah. I believe. I don't think he was on any staffs that we we opposed. Yeah, I'd have to look at his You know, resume. he might have he could have possibly been maybe on that USC staff as like a position coach back in 2001 or 2002 possibly. Um, but this is a game with K-State's uh, you know, it, it's closing the year uh, in my predictions on, on a three-game win streak. Icon if I may. He, he was on the staff for both of the 01 and 2002 uh, USCK State games. He was coaching quarterbacks. Uh, so he was Carson Palmer's uh, okay. quarterbacks coach. Yeah, because I knew, I knew he had kind of gone to the – I knew he was at USC, and then I, I remembered he went to the Raiders at one point or another. I didn't know exactly. He went there for a cup of coffee coaching quarterbacks for the Raiders, then returned to USC in 2005, 2006. Okay. Uh, eventually became uh, – Offensive coordinator for him in 2008 before he went over to be the head man uh, up in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. So this is a he. I mean, I think Sark is. I think he's going to be doing a good job at Texas. I think he's a good coach, but with the coach at Texas, it's never really about how good of an X's and O's coach you are. It's about handling everything else, right? You know, like I guess so. I mean, because. Who knows? Because I thought Charlie Strong would do a good job there. I thought he would would do 
uh, a, a good enough job, but it never worked out there for him. Tom Herman, I thought he probably did an okay job. And he did do an okay job. He, he went 7-3 and three last year, and the three games they lost, I mean, they were play away. You know, in, in yeah. any one of those games. They yeah. could have easily been a playoff team, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but he's sitting out on the unemployment line still. I actually, I think he's working for the Bears now as like a some offensive analyst. That's ridiculous. It, it's crazy that some time off, man. Well, it's crazy that guy can't that he didn't get a job in college. I mean, maybe that's what he wanted to do is just kind of get out of it. But good grief! Like, yeah, you, you figure with his track record at Houston, like I'm surprised he didn't land on his feet somewhere. Uh, currently an offensive analyst for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, uh, I think K State gets the doors blown off us this against Texas. I think doors blown off. Yeah, I think we get bullied. Um, I just think that you saw too much of last. I saw year. too much of last yeah. year that I maybe some PTSD. I think uh, that Texas rolls by multiple scores. Uh oh, folks. Uh, no, no, I I don't think we're winning this game. Either. Okay, you furrowed your but, brow. But I man, I'd really like to pick us to win one of these games against OU or Texas, right? You that'd know, be that, fun. That, that'd be really yeah. great. But you know, yeah, like you said, it's it's um. It's the same thing that we saw last year with uh, B. John Robinson just torching us up on the ground and doing whatever they wanted to uh, offensively. I think well, he's Texas breaking in a new quarterback. Breaking in a new quarterback, but you know, if there's one guy that I feel I can utilize those weapons, Sark's a good. Uh, I mean, as good as X's nose. I mean, you saw what he did with that Alabama offense. Now, granted, that Alabama Come offense. On. See, I, I don't think he's got much of a track record here. Sarkey, I, I, well, I didn't he, really he got, get it. He got rehabbed by at the Saban House, man. I guess so, but the guy's got a career coaching record of forty six and thirty five as a head coach. But at USC in Washington, like Nick Saban sprinkled the magic water on him. He's yeah. he he's he can do no wrong. I I you know I I think he'll do a fine job there. But the one thing that I'll be interested to see is with B. John Robinson, how he handles him in and out of the backfield, catching passes, yeah. running the ball. Obviously a talented player. We mentioned it when we talked about the offensive side of things that, um, you know, the Big 12 running backs are as good as anywhere in, in the nation. And, you know, with Deuce Vaughn, Brees Hall, B. John Robinson, Letty Brown at West Virginia, uh, L.D. LD Brown at uh, – at Oklahoma State, you've got guys up and down the the line, and that's not even mentioning, you know, what the folks at Oklahoma have with uh, uh, Ramondre Stevenson still there, that big old dog. He's rumbling and stumbling around, so it's going to be a, a talented, um, talented group of running backs here in the Big Twelve this year. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to a lot of what what they got going on at quarterback. Uh, what is it, Hudson Card, their projected starter, that freshman? Yeah. It's tall, tall order for a for a kid to take on the uh, Texas starting quarterback role as a freshman. Uh, I think Texas goes as far as he's willing to take them because, you know, it's a running back league, but still, I think the quarterback's the most important position on the field. Got to have a good trigger man, and you're not you're not going to get by just uh, handing it off to Bijan Robinson or dumping it off to him all season. So, uh, in any event, I think. Texas gets it done against K-State, but I think uh, as far as Texas' season goes, a lot's going to depend on their uh, signal caller. All right. Eight and four for the Cats. Both of us. We agree. Oh, yeah. We sure do. We, we both have us at eight wins. Um, 
Well, boy, I'm surprised you you made it to eight for that. I feel like you're uh, you weren't quite as high on K State this season as as I was, but we both ended up at eight and four. Well, the thing is, is I'm trying to be more optimistic in my life. Oh, okay, good. I'm t- I'm I, I've been you know making an effort to do this. Okay, and I will say this though: first five games before that bye week can be very difficult for us. I mean. <laughs> I mean, like, two and three, not out of the question. Shoot, one I mean, and four, not out of the question. I think, I think we'll be dogs in four out of the five. Really? Yeah, well, we're dogs at Stanford, aren't we? Slight. You think we're going to be dogs to Nevada? Very good chance we could be. They receive more votes than we are. I mean, I think if yeah, you handicap it today, that's pick them at best. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So I think it's not out of the question that we're dogs in four out of those five. But uh, I was winning four of them. <laughs> you do. Yeah. You sure? I was winning three. Yeah. I mean, heck, I, I don't think that's unrealistic to go undefeated in non-conference play. I think they will go undefeated in non-conference play. So I've projected. I don't. I really don't feel all that like going out on a limb on that. Really, yeah. Necessarily, I feel. Pretty comfortable on that. Now, the Iowa State game, yeah, maybe a little bit more out on the limb there. Um, okay, so we agree. Uh, we w- Let's just talk about where we disagree. We disagree on Oklahoma State. Yeah. You, you've got us winning. I have us losing. Uh, Iowa State, I have us winning. You have us losing. Uh, Texas Christian, uh, you have us winning. We both kind of have, have the, a weird midseason yeah. game. that. Uh, but I don't think TCU is necessarily all that weird of a midseason. Fair enough, but, yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, eight and four for the Cats. Hey. We'll take it. If you you put a, you if, you told, if you gave me a pin and said sign this eight and four right now, I put my John Hancock on there right there. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, okay, let's just um, do one quick thing real quick. We don't need to go ahead and, and run down the entire Big Twelve here, but in terms of what you how you see the Big Twelve shaping up from top to bottom, I kind of see you know what we've talked about. Uh, in terms of you know, kind of the middle class of the Big Twelve, I think that middle class of the Big Twelve is essentially Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Tech, K State, and Baylor. Yeah, I think Tech and Baylor coming into this season, I, I say they're definitely yeah, they're, they're the lower part of the yeah. like. I would say the middle class, and you could even probably throw either TCU or Texas in there. Um, I, I think the two guys, the two teams that are are that have call it distanced themselves. I think that's kind of disingenuous to say because there haven't been any games played yet. But Oklahoma and Iowa State, everyone's picking them to be in the Big Twelve title game, essentially. Yeah, um, and for good reason. That's those are the two teams that are ranked in the top ten in preseason. Um, Texas is going to you know be an interesting team to watch. TCU, I think, has some dark horse potential. They're probably in that next tier. Yeah. And then that middle class of Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Texas Tech, K-State, Baylor, I think anywhere can go from essentially, you know, anywhere from maybe 6-3 and three in conference play, uh, you know, to maybe 3-6 and six in conference yeah, play. Yeah, I think Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and K-State are more similar than, yeah, than I would agree the with other that. two. Uh, I, I mean... I don't know if you want to put them on different tiers or not, but uh, I'll just throw them all in one big middle class at this point. Tech damn near lost to KU last season. Yeah, and 
I, I, okay, I don't know how fine. fluky that is, but throw, throw Tech and Baylor yeah, in their own class. I uh, <laughs> then again, we did lose to Baylor. Yeah, but uh, no, I, I I tend to agree with your general tiers there that you have Oklahoma and Iowa State perceived at the top, odds on favorite to get to to Arlington, and uh, boy, I I don't know. We'll we'll see. I gun to my head right now. I I think Texas is getting there. Uh, over Iowa State just because I think people are just like I said putting a lot of stock into Iowa State's 2020 campaign when eh, it might be a little bit of smoke and mirrors um, but uh, yeah I, but in terms of general tiers I, I, I agree okay um, if you had to pick a Big 12 title game you're going Texas OU yeah a rematch of the Red River which would really be awful it would be really tragic. It'd be awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd be straight up awful. Um, but you know what? Hey, maybe a rematch of uh, God, Armageddon. What, what would you, if, if you could pick outside of K-State, well, you could, well, let's throw, of uh, of the remaining eight. Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. Or TCU, actually. Oklahoma State, TCU. That's more realistic and would really stick in uh, Texas's craw. Dude, sign me up for a K-State West Virginia Big 12 championship game. <laughs> well, I thought you said you couldn't pick K-State. Wait, 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 let, let's say you can't pick K-State. Uh, just, like, just give me like something off the wall. Yeah, K-State Tech. <laughs> K-State Tech in Jerry World for all the marbles, baby. <laughs> yeah. Sign me up, Let's man. get down there. Um, I'd watch that game. Oh, people would be... It would be... Drooling. Well, it would be a big... Like, there would be a, a good crowd there for that game. Hell yeah, Texas Tech fans would... Jump the chance. They'd yeah, be they've never been to a Big 12 championship no. game before. No, they haven't. Um, man, how about like a... I don't know. That would, how, Baylor TCU. You know, have a little bit of room. Yeah, uh, have a little bit, yeah just put, put a 2014, you know... This is the this is the grudge match right here. Yeah, this is what it should have been. You know, back in the day, I'll let that happen. How about that for, I'd for an sign option? up for that too? Well, anyway, Dilo, this has been a, quite the episode here as we're we're yeah. kind thanks, of approaching. Thanks for sticking the end. with us, folks. Um, hopefully, you've hit pause someplace along this and, and and you know had a chance to digest all this information because we've it's been chock full of information, Dilo. I want to just mention one other thing here while while we uh, while we have you here. One thing the the short side option. Uh, podcast has been doing is is we've been getting closer uh, to kickoff here uh, for the season. We've been counting down the number of days uh, with with K State greats uh, following in line here as we make it down here to uh, to the final weeks before kickoff. Yeah, and Some that's real really, legends coming up. Yeah, and that's really been a fun. I, I just have to say for myself, I've really enjoyed um, kind of some of that interaction. Um, you know, the other day we had Cody Cook on there, uh, who is one of my favorite players here in recent memory because this guy just did let it all hang out there. I mean, he did it all. When you say one of two players, who, one of three players who, in, in Big Twelve history who rushed, passed, and received for a hundred yards in, in the same season. Wow. That's right. And you know, the thing who is, was the other one? Like Justin Gage. Uh, no, the other two that I had in my research that I found, Harry Meyer. Um, were um, were Boykin. Boykin, yeah, okay, that makes and sense. Uh, Daniel Thomas. 
Wow. That is a great... He passed for 100 yards? Well, he had that one, like, 60-yarder against OU uh, in 2009. See, I, I think... So, I, I think he threw it to Brandon Banks uh, for, for, like, a 60-yard pass. That is incredible. Yeah. I would never have guessed Daniel Yeah, Brown. Yeah, so... Um, pretty pretty fun stat there, and it, I guess he was doing some jump passes and yeah. stuff, and he, so he, he just got over the 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 number, I guess, huh? Wow, that's so, a, that's an amazing piece of trivia. I well, would never but, have guessed. But the fun that. thing about like, and I'm just using Cody Cook here for example because he was you know one of the most recent ones is you know he's now coaching uh, junior college football uh, at, at uh, Hutch Junior College, and it, it's it, it's great seeing. You know, some of his former players at Hutch chiming in saying, you know, Cody Cook's, you know, he's the baller, he's the go, you know, all that stuff. And then, uh, you know, also uh, his, his current players, you know, they, they might not know that this guy was a baller back, you know, when he was wearing the purple. Yeah. You know, so st- stuff like that's cool. You when know, he's playing for Powercat Snyder. Yeah. You know, we've had we've had players like, uh, you know, Travis Wilson's been getting in. Bryce Libel's been chiming in yeah. on these guys, giving some memories. You know, it's just been a fun way to uh, – to help kind of count down the season, I know everyone's uh, excited to get back in the stands. If they weren't able to get, to get in there last year for a game, uh, they're they're definitely excited to get down there this year and and hopefully see some winning football. Yeah, well, let's certainly hope so. It's so uh, it's, so we're it's we're we're now at. I'm going to pull up the countdown real quick. Um, we are at 18 or we're at 17 days starting t- uh, tomorrow um, on the uh, on the 18th of August. And, uh, man, it'll be here before we know it. Yeah, sure will. So, well, folks, I think that wraps it up for K-State, uh, or for, for our preview here on the K-State season. D'Lo and I both have going 8-4. D'Lo, anything else you want to add? No. Go Cats. Go Cats, baby. Well, that'll do it here for this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. We will be back uh, here in a few weeks to uh, preview that Stanford game and give you a better look at uh, K-State's opponent and uh, give us uh, give a, an exact score prediction uh, should be fun to uh, do. Can't wait to get on with the Dilu as we uh, bring that one here to you here in a few weeks. Uh, folks, that's going to be it for the Short Side Option Podcast. Thanks for listening, and go Cats!